Welcome to the Real Estate Secrets Podcast for healthcare professionals, hosted by Austin Hare and Nathan Palmer, who together have over two decades of real estate knowledge and investing. This show is about sharing lessons in commercial real estate that were learned from trial and error and working directly with CEOs of billion-dollar healthcare organizations. Our mission is to teach the insider strategies used by the big guys to everyday healthcare operators in order to get access to the best real estate at the best prices. All right, guys, we are now in kind of like season three of our our podcast and our lessons here today. And so we are starting a little bit of a a different subject, and we're going to do more of a deep dive into lease negotiation. So um, there's a lot of different components to the lease, and today's lesson is just going to be about what is the lease process. So we got Nate here, and we're going to kind of go over some of these terms and help give some clarity to what would otherwise be a little bit ambiguous. So we're going to be talking about site selection, LOI, due diligence, lease review, leaks, execution, stuff like that. So um, Nate, let's talk a little bit when it comes to, you know, the lease process, let's talk about site selection and what you should be looking out for. Yeah. So I think what's really important as we think through the components involved with really securing a space, I mean, we're calling it the lease negotiation, but the process involved to really <clears throat> lockdown of space, you know, there's there's a handful of components and there's a bunch of things that have to happen for the end result is you ultimately signing a lease or closing on a building. And so, you know, I think I think this is such an important component because a lot of people we've seen, you know, they kind of start and stop in different areas and, and there are a lot of variables involved. So you never, almost never kind of perfectly sequence everything together. But the point is, yeah, I think it's really helpful to understand all the different things that have to happen uh, in order to secure space and ultimately kind of when in that timeline, different things should be started. So yeah, coming out of kind of the market strategy, the demographic piece, you know, once we've really honed in on specific areas that we want to focus in on, uh, the next piece is site selection. And, and, you know, this is all about being creative, uh, using really every resource at your disposal to really uncover what the best opportunities are. And uh, some of those resources should be your local, your broker representation network, um, a combination of, of resources that they would have access to and uh, resources that you could access through different commercial listing databases. Um, and, and then obviously, you know, none of those replace kind of the physical driving the market, understanding in the trade areas that we've identified we want to be what real estate is available in that stretch because online you could see something online on the computer uh, or looking at an aerial that said oh my god this looks great and all of a sudden you show up there and there's a big row of trees in front of the building and there's really nothing that anybody can do about it it's a city ordinance you can't move the trees and even though the building happens to be where we want it to be uh you know it's just kind of functionally obsolescent because of because of those trees there. So, so when it really comes down to site selection and, and really from a strategy standpoint, you know, for our clients that people we work with, we kind of say, you know, you want to have like two or three opportunities for every one you want to finish, right? So I think it's really important as you navigate this process to really, if we're going to set out on a mission to open two sites over the next 12 months, you know, we really want to have four or five trade areas we're looking at and hopefully an opportunity or two in each of those that's available. And, um, and I think it's really important too, is, as you go through the, the process, especially when you, 
physically toured a site, it's kind of hard to gauge a lot of this uh, from an aerial or just doing remote research. But I think what's really important too, and what you're seeing a lot more of now is, is it's obvious, it's very easy to drive down a street and see, oh, there's a vacant bank, right? It's obvious it's vacant, the sign's taken down, it, it's visibly available, right? Uh, but, um, you know, the, the important things that you can also see why, while physically touring the market is maybe there's a an old Pizza Hut building, right? The, the red roof, the old style Pizza Hut, where largely a lot of those have converted over the number of years where they've they've relocated when they had the opportunity into smaller delivery carry out only locations, right? So, so on paper, on the computer, from an aerial, it doesn't appear that a building's available. Uh, when in fact, you know, with a little bit of digging and research, there may be opportunities you don't see. Another good example of that, we're working on a couple of these right now that um, are just carve out in anchor store parking lots, right? So you've got a Walmart or we're doing one from a Kmart in Louisiana right now where, you know, there's nothing listed as available. We wouldn't have seen it except for when we drove by, we noticed, hey, you know, the, the shopping center's got a massive parking lot that it doesn't need. And can we get them to carve out an acre or half an acre up front for us to do a building there? So I think it's, I think the site selection component of this process is really important because you need to be really creative and thinking through that. We'll talk about some more details about that, I think, in a later date. So, so we come through the process, we identify some sites we're interested in, and now uh, we're gonna submit what we call LOIs or letters of intent. Yeah, and two, so two different parts really. I mean, you know, it doesn't make sense to submit a lease to a building where you don't know where it's gonna be. So just, you know, common sense order. The first thing, very first step, you have to select the site. <laughs> you have to know where you're going uh, before you submit the LOI. So. Uh, this is, would be what would be step two is just putting together a letter of intent, you know, also known as an LOI. So let's, yeah, let's talk through that a little bit. Well, um, I think we're going to talk about that in its own episode, but the, the simple overview of LOIs is they're, they're basically three to four or five page versions of what will at some point be a 30 to hundred page lease. And, and the idea on the LOI is really to hammer out the business points because if we can't get agreement on the business points, there's no point in wasting attorney dollars on the legal uh, language. So, um, you know, there's a lot of basic components involved in LOI, the amount of space we're going to take, the amount of rent we're going to pay, what increases, what the term's going to look like, what type of incentives uh, that we're going to negotiate from the landlord, any types of rep and warranties that we're going to require that they deliver the space in and, and warrant for some period, um, elements of guarantee and um, all kinds of things. So we'll get into more detail on that at a later point, but um, so you have that component and really, really again, you know, in the previous example, if we're looking to open two locations in 12 months, you know, hopefully we've got four or five sites that we're considering and we would recommend putting LOIs on all of them, right? Because you really just don't know what landlord or what site is able to do, right? And so if you have two locations that economics aside, you know, maybe one's an A minus and one's a B plus. So you do have some preference from physical site characteristics, uh, but um, but not so much so that if site, the B plus site is able to offer really good incentives, better rates, better whatever, you know, it may be a compelling argument of, of what we should look at. So, so put, <clears throat> put out an LOI, uh, hopefully on more sites than you need. That way you've got some options and some control 
over ultimately what site uh, that you have the opportunity to secure. Yeah, you know, in a nutshell, the LOI is ultimately going to dictate the lease. It just doesn't have as much detail because it just doesn't make sense to go through and create this super granular document like you were talking about where you have to pay lawyers these fees to go hammer all the details out. Like you, it's pretty much saying like, hey, are we on the same page? You know, I like this location. Um, can we come to a vague agreement uh, in terms of terms and price to move forward at least to the step, the next steps? So um, pretty much LOI and we'll, we'll talk more detail about that later. And then the next part would just be due diligence, right? So this is, you know, you've selected your site. Um, now you've submitted the LOI and they've tentatively agreed to some of the terms. They've come to somewhat of an agreement. Maybe there's been a couple back and forth. And so explain to us the due diligence process. Yeah, so I think I think this is really integrated with the LOI process. And, and you have to kind of use your best judgment as far as at what point you start and stop some of this. Because, you know, part of the challenge that I alluded to initially is really sequencing the timing on all of this, right? Because... You know, if the average LOI takes six or eight weeks to complete, uh, and a component of that with some sites will also be physical site due diligence, which requires your architect or contractor to visit the site to verify the space is as the landlord says it is to understand, hey, we may have 15 tons of HVAC sitting on the space. And that's what the landlord tells us. And that sounds great. But then our architect and contractor go tour the space and we come to find out well, hey, those units, uh, as great as they are, are 13 years old, and therefore on a 15-year useful life expectancy, this is going to be a problem for us very early in the lease. So, and those are very <clears throat> financially HVAC. HVAC is a big one for sure. Yeah, it is. Not one that landlords all like mechanicals. To bring yeah, mechanicals are big ones. HVAC is just an easiest, a very easy example. But any of any of the mechanical components are very expensive to modify. Uh, and that's why they need to be determined really in the LOI process because we need to, you know, really determine how those costs are going to be shared, handled. Well, or yeah, to that point, you know, the a business that I bought, uh, Jim, the I was taking over his lease, and in that process, you know, he told me that essentially the AC went out, and he was not doing well financially, uh, you know, struggling to make his rent payments every month, and then all of a sudden, there's this five, six thousand dollar. Uh, one-time fee required for the AC if you want to keep going, and, and he's, he just told the landlord like, "Hey, like, I can't do this, right? I, you're gonna have to work with me somehow." So what happened was the landlord ended up paying for that AC unit, but then he was able to structure that payment into hit the length of his lease. So he just paid a couple hundred dollars extra uh, for the remainder. He had like four years left on his lease, or three years left on his lease, or something like that. But it's one of those things, you know. He might have been able to avoid that situation if he had addressed in the LOI or the lease, or at least had some sort of maximum out of pocket. So in, in leases that I negotiated for myself, you know, um, we would have a, a clause that would just have, okay, if something goes wrong with a giant mechanical issue, like an AC, the maximum that would come out of pocket is 500 or $1,000. So, um, but that's why due diligence is so important. Yeah, so a lot of strategies on how to deal with the issue, but, but the important thing is, is information is knowledge and you need the opportunity to deal with that before it's a problem and and you have a document in place that says this is how it's supposed to be handled. Uh, so yeah. that, that's the goal there. And, th and then too also, you know what, I mean HVAC is the obvious example, but electric capacity, um, water capacity, right? Because, you know, so many of our clients healthcare related have exam rooms, have a lot of water and a lot of faucets. So it's not like, you know, if you have a clinic with 10 exam rooms and, you know, 
three bathrooms. It's not like at one given point in time, everybody's going to be running the water. But most cities will still require enough water service for that to be the case. So, um, and that's not common in retail space, right? And so, you know, we did so many of these block, you know, an obvious example is all the blockbuster conversions, right? Most of those were five to 8,000 square feet with a three quarter inch water line, right? And all of a sudden you go divide that into two or three tenants. One of those is a restaurant, one is a healthcare user, and you are massively under service in a water capacity. And, and we did a project, one of those, actually it was a, I don't remember if it was a blockbuster or Hollywood video, but it had the same characteristics in Westminster, Colorado, five, uh, seven or eight years ago. And uh, this was not figured out early on in the process. And the lease was signed. And when the tenant was in to do their permits, because of the water rights in Colorado, it was a $90,000 tap fee to increase the water line to that building. Wow. So uh, a really big mistake that was made from not having enough diligence done prior to uh, yeah, impact fees, I mean, it, you know, they can absolutely cost an arm and a leg. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so those are extremes, but obviously good to good to have a handle on what those are so that so that by the time the LOI is done, there's a very clear cost component to, to what's involved. Yeah, and so then the next step, you know, now you've got your LOI, you've done your due diligence, you want to move forward, will be the lease review. So mm -hmm. let's talk about lease review a little bit. Yeah, so this can be, this can be, uh, quick and painless and this can be this can be painful and long you know we've had leases get done in as fast as a week you know because the big x factor here is uh there are just so many variables out of your control right you've got a landlord you've got his attorney you've got ultimately the tenant and their attorney every one of those four parties have different opinions on you know how much and how thorough the lease needs are reviewed right and so you know, we've had clients just rip apart and destroy, rewrite leases. And I mean, we've had leases take eight to 10 months to get done because uh, they required, and their attorney required a lot of changes. And the process going back and forth between the tenant and the landlord also was timely. Every time a document was submitted, it took two or three weeks for the other person to review and comment. And then two or three weeks later, it was submitted back. So, you know, even though it only went back and forth, maybe six or seven times, which isn't really that unreasonable just because of the delay every time, you know, it really expounded that term. So I think, I think having a good handle on some of that and, and really understanding too, you know, what is the business risk associated with some of these legal paragraphs? You know, I mean, we'll look at this at a later point and look at some of those specifically, but there's so many, there's so many issues where, you know, you can go so deep into some of these, uh, sections when really it's like a few thousand dollar risk, right? And yeah, not that might, it's bad. They might spend more but, time on their attorneys. Yeah. So they might spend just more money balance. on their attorneys reviewing a thousand dollar risk. Yeah. So there's salary. just a balance of that, that equation. There's no right answer to that. Everybody believes what they believe they're and attorneys are incentivized to find problems, right? I mean, they're paid by the hour. So, you know, they're, their job and their motivation is obviously to to make everything <clears throat> as leaning toward their side as they can, and you know, obviously, some balance of that has to exist for this to get done. So, so that 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 happens, and then while that's going on, as, as the due diligence furthers, you you really want a lot of your architectural 
pieces to be happening at the same time, right? So by the time, you know, you've got <clears throat> the LOI, which identifies kind of the business terms of the lease, the lease you're working through, hopefully has all those incorporated correctly, plus all the legal elements. And then really the, the extra factor working kind of uh, in parallel with that is all the architectural and construction components where, you know, really ideally by the time you sign a lease, we've got a layout that everybody likes, a site plan everybody likes, um, signage renderings that everybody likes because as best as possible, when that lease document is signed, you need to be certain from the tenant standpoint that you can do everything you wanna do here and that the landlord's not gonna hold you back uh, short of some city variance rule that, that you've got also uh, kind of be obligated to. Right. Um, okay, so then that brings us to the last kind of component, which we're, we're touching on it a little bit here and there, but that would just be lease execution. So this would be like the final, final stage really. Yeah, so I think, I think as it dovetails to a, a landing to actually sign the lease, um, there's really a handful of key components that are involved in that, right? You have the physical document that's gotta be fully negotiated and ready to go. You need to have the design elements we just talked about. And then the third thing is also, uh, and this is kind of what is always running a parallel track throughout this process is the financing, right? So you're gonna, you're gonna work through all of the <clears throat> logistical components of the space uh, over time but there's different elements of the financing, like you can't apply for the loan without the space address. You need a performa for that specific space and the conversion costs. So, you know, all that kind of dovetails together. And, and what we really recommend for our clients is as best possible. And, and we know you can't control the variables, but as best as possible, you don't want to create any additional delays for that stuff, right? Because we don't want to burn any landlord goodwill with, oh, hey, yeah, the lease is done, but actually I need two more months to finish, to start and finish my financing, right? Because they're, they're just gonna get pissed. And, yeah, and lease abatement, you know, that's built in normally to give you some time, but that would have already been negotiated in the lease review. Are you talking about your construction time? Yeah. Yeah, so you have that, but you don't wanna sign a lease without knowing you got the money, right? Right. So, so that's usually a critical element um, to that. And, and there's some bridge there, uh, right? So there's some, hey, you know, we'll sign the lease, but with a 30 or 60 day contingency to get the financing finished, um, because that, you know, take, you know, really means the lease doesn't mean anything except for it's just a good show of faith that, hey, we are committed to do this, assuming we can finish the financing uh, in, in proper timing to, to make it happen. So, um, but it's just a good thing to be thinking about because you want to have you want to have the money and you want to have all the design elements really kind of ironed out before you sign that lease. Uh, that way, you know, you just try to limit your surprises throughout the process. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, just going through this is, is going to be the most educational experience of the whole thing. I mean, that's really how you learn. And the first one is always going to be the messiest. <laughs> You're always going to make the most mistakes. You cannot read enough books that are going to teach you how to do this just because it, it takes real world effort. It takes trial and error, just like everything in life. And so the idea is that if you do end up signing multiple leases, uh, as you grow, as you expand, then you're gonna get better and better at it and you'll be able to look for all these things. So this is just the purpose of these is to help you shortcut a little bit of those failures, those trial and errors <laughs> to the, um, the best of your ability in the short term. Yeah, and I would say, you know, let your, you know, there's a really important element of this we haven't really talked about and it's kind of your, your kind of emotional 
experience through this process, right? Because it can't, there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a, we want this, they want that. Um, and, and you know, there's a big component of this where if everybody's kind of not pissed before it gets signed, we didn't do a good enough job, right? <laughs> like, and then everybody signs and everybody's happy, right? So it's also really important to kind of manage your emotional state through this process as you go through negotiating back and forth and really understanding, you know, everything that you're fighting for and what it really means and, um, and dealing with it. Yeah. And it is emotional. I mean, everybody, even though it's business, uh, um, I think especially in residential, but I've been in plenty of, you know, negotiations where they, they take it personally. And so that's why later on we're going to have a whole series on negotiations and just how to keep your head cool and that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, like if you, ex if you know ahead of time that you will have a high, you will have lows to be mentally prepared for that. I think is very helpful. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you need to remember too, that the people you're dealing with have experienced a high frequency of those emotions, right? So I've done hundreds, if not thousands of leases, I've seen things, almost anything you can imagine come back and forth. So we get something that, that our client may feel is alarming, but we don't react in a certain way. So I think it's also, you can really, be the voice of reason. Exactly. Well, I think it's just important to under, understand, you know, uh, you may be experiencing, you know, as the tenant, as a doctor signing a lease or taking out a location, you may be experiencing more emotional effect through this because everybody else involved, your attorney, the landlord, all the brokers, they've been through this many times, right? And they've seen and understand, you know, really what everyone's trying to accomplish. So really important to kind of keep that under under control and use it and not not necessarily to lease yourself, but really to use it to your advantage. And I think that's what when we get into that negotiation kind of strategy and tactics, that's really the the goal. Yeah. 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 So um that's the process. Now coming up we're gonna be talking about site selection. We're gonna be talking about components of the LOI that we, we mentioned earlier, but we'll go into a whole deep dive. That'll be an entire lesson in and of itself. Um, just core economics and then um, the benefits, pros and cons of like simple lease uh, LOIs versus complicated LOIs and so forth. So uh, catch you guys next time. If you need help finding the perfect location for your practice or you're ready to invest in commercial real estate, email us podcast at leadersre.com. That's podcast at leadersre, R-E as in realestate.com. Or go to leadersre.com and fill out our form. See you next time.